Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. We're in a Sunday school series of Psalm 51 with the idea of the way back to God and that there is a way back to God, that it doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've gone away, God has provided a way back to Him. And in Psalm 51, we are giving an account of David, that David has committed adultery. David, in order to cover up his adultery, has lied, and he has committed murder, and he's trying to get away with it. He's been living with it. But the old preacher pointed his bony finger in him and said, Thou art the man. And we can see in Psalm 51, David getting right with God. And we've been walking through this, and if you don't mind, we're going to take Psalm 51. We're going to read the whole passage, and then we'll highlight where we're at now as we've been walking through this. So notice with me, if you don't mind, Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and if you don't mind, notice with me in Psalm 51, starting at verse 1. The Bible says this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, Shalt thou make me to know wisdom? Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness. O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my praise shall show forth, or my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion, and build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, and burnt offering, and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Psalm 51? <coughs> Psalm 51 and verse number 6. 
Psalm 51 and verse 6. And notice the phrase that we find in verse 6. Truth in the inward parts. Truth in the inward parts. And with the Lord's help, we're going to put an emphasis here in Psalm 51. That truth in the inward parts. Now, as we're going through here, we are understanding the context of this. That this is recording King David. Remember that it was King David who looked upon Bathsheba and that he brought her up and committed adultery with her. We don't know how much time was passed, but it was enough time for Bathsheba to come and say, David, guess what I'm going to be expecting? He immediately went on cover-up mode and tried to do everything he could, even brought Uriah back from the battlefield in attempts to try to confuse the situation, but Uriah refused to go back. So David had to resort to murder, and in order to cover his sin, he murdered Uriah, and then he took Bathsheba as his wife. And what he had decided is that we're just going to move forward. We're just going to take where we're at and we're just going to move forward and we're just going to pretend nothing happened and we're just going to play it where it lies. The problem was is that he didn't deal with his sin and he tried to hide it and he tried to put it aside. But we have a person here who has no real fellowship with God. In the inward parts, he's miserable. In the inward parts, he's doing his best to try to, uh, to move forward. The outside, he's putting a smile on his face. He's looking like the king as he always has. But the inside is miserable. The inside is discombobulated. The inside, he was a tormented man. David recognized here that truth is in the inward parts. It's the inward parts that makes us who we are. That who we are is not who we are in public. It's who we are in private. You know, you could put on a good image. Um, <clears throat> for example, we have what we call the salesman version. So let's say that some guy finds a girl and he goes, hey, I want to impress her. So he takes a bath and takes a shower and combs his hair and puts on good clothes. And he's doing everything he can to, to sell her something he's not. He's trying to look really good. He's trying to have the salesman version on. He's trying to fool her that he's like that all the time. You know the salesman version. Everyone can learn how to put things on the outside and try to make it look good. Someone could be in turmoil in the inside but have a smile on their face. Someone could be broken up in the inside, eaten away in the inside, but still carry a Bible and make it look like, yeah, I'm here and I belong here. Who we are is not who we are in public. Who we truly are is who we are in private. Your private life. Your inner man. Who you are when no one else is around. Who you are and when you're laying down in your bed and the lights are off and you're stuck with yourself. That's who you really are. And David here is saying, I need truth in the inward parts. The Bible says, and the truth shall make you free. David said, I want truth in the inward parts. The Bible says, truth shall make you free. The problem is, is that so many people are not free in the inside. They're chained in bondage. They're not living in harmony with God's word of the inward parts. It's all messed up inside. 
There's no peace and freedom. that you. But you can have it when you're cleansed and right with God. There is a peace. There is a freedom that you have. But so many people are not free. And so as we're exploring this, as David is finding his way back to God, he brings this idea of truth in the inward parts. So we bring the question, how can we have truth in the inward parts? How can we have it in the inside of us that we're free? In the inside of us that we have peace? In the inside of us we're right with God? How is it that we can have truth in the inward parts. Well, if you don't mind, let's take this passage here and let's see some things. The very first thing that we see here is that there must be conviction. There must be conviction. How do we get there? Well, the Holy Spirit has to convict us of our sinfulness. And he does it through his word. Notice, if you don't mind, Psalm 51 and verse number 5. He says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now in verse 5, he's not blaming his mother. But what he is doing is he is confessing that he was born a sinner. He was born a sinner. He recognizes that he was a sinner from birth. You know, there's sometimes that people don't recognize that even their kids are sinners. You know, it doesn't take long to have a brand new baby, right? And to realize that they're a sinner. For example, in the middle of the night, you could hear the most blood-curdling scream. And you're like, all right, what's wrong with them? Uh, dirty diaper, are they hungry? B diaper pin, stab it, and then you go in there, and the baby looks at you and goes, goo. That little filthy sinner just wanted attention. <laughs> Children are sinners at the very beginning. You said you need new pr more proof, okay. Well, how many of you remember your parents sitting you down and said, all right, you need to survive in this world, so I'm going to teach you how to lie. And so we're going to have a course here of teaching you how to lie and how to do it effectively. Do you remember that course? Well, if you didn't have that course, where did you learn to lie? Well, you learned to lie because you're a sinner, and sinners sin. You were born a sinner. You didn't need a class. How many of you had the class that whenever you want whatever you want, you need to learn how to get it and steal it. You're on your own. Well, if you didn't have that class, how come you were caught up on the ladder taking cookies on top of the refrigerator? Why do parents put the cookies in the refrigerator? With the idea to tell the kids, hey, you're not allowed to have it. But the kids say, nope, I'm supposed to have it. And so I'm going to build me a nice crate thing and stand on one leg. And You remember doing that, right? Waking up in the middle of the night. I know something I did when I was a kid is uh, I had a birthday coming up and my mom made me a nice birthday cake. It had frosting all over it. Well, me being the sinner I was that she made it the night before. So in the middle of the night, I got hungry and took the cake and licked all the frosting off and put the cake back in there. Where did I learn to do that? Well, it's because I'm a sinner. And I was a sinner here, David is saying, I was a, a born a sinner. I was born this way. And he's not using it as an excuse he is recognizing, I'm a sinner. Amen. I am a sinner. I've messed up. When David is sitting on the throne, he's everyone to everyone else, he's putting on an image that he's right with God. But Nathan the prophet went up and put his bony finger and said, Thou art the man. All that conviction just came pouring out. David knew he was wrong and had to take care of it. The Bible says that sin is like dirt, and it begins to pile on. Now, if we had someone today that came in here, and they haven't had a shower or a bath in weeks, we would probably have a problem with that, right? 
I mean, they come in, their hair's all matted down and grummy and grimy. They have dirt patches all over. You'd almost imagine that cartoon with Pigpen in it and all the dust walking around them and just sit next to them and smelling dirt. We would probably have a problem like that if someone wanted to come in and sit next to you, right? Well, do you understand, just like we need to be cleansed outside, we need to be cleansed inside too. And it starts by conviction, to confess our sins, to acknowledge that we're doing wrong. Now, the thing is with confession is that people think that confession is telling on people. In 1 John chapter, <laughs> chapter 1 verse 9, it says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But the people don't like the confess idea because confession in their mind, they feel like they're telling on themselves. It's almost like the drunkard who came into a church once and at the end of the church service, he came down into the invitation and the preacher took him down and the preacher said, you know how this man came in and he's drunk and the drunkard said, don't tell God that he doesn't need to know it. You know, sometimes people feel like the idea that confessing is telling on ourselves. But that's not what confession is. Confession is agreeing with God with what he already knows. Yes, exactly. He just wants us to get to the place where we admit that we did wrong. Yep. Admit that we're a sinner. When God points out and says, you are the man. Yes, I messed up. Yes, I am wrong. Yes, I'm the one who is wrong. All of us have secret sins in our life that are buried, hidden, and rationalized away. These are not simply things done in secret. These are things that sometimes have become a secret to us. Do you know that people can have sins so buried and so crusted away that they even forget about them? They're still there, but they've rationalized it and set it aside. Well, the wonderful thing about the spotlight of the God's Holy Spirit is that he could examine the inward parts. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Then it goes on to say that this sword of the spirit is able to go to the dividing of the soul and the spirit. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what the word of God does? Is it spotlights and gives us a look of ourself. That the Bible can show us not only what we did wrong, but explain why we did it. It could do the intents of our heart. Why did you do that? You know, sometimes you could ask a ch child or an adult, why did you do that? And their answer is, I don't know. Well, you know, the Bible knows. And the Bible can reflect it. Have you ever been to a funhouse mirror? thing where they had the different mirrors and you looked at this mirror and you're nice and skinny and you look at this mirror and you're fat and this mirror you're normal and you go back to the skinny one and want to just stay here. Well, what the Bible does is it gives an accurate reflection of who you are. You ever want to wonder why people don't want to read the Bible? Because they don't like the reflection they see. They don't like the Bible pointing out the things that are wrong. That's why people sometimes have a difficult time reading the Bible is because they don't like what the Bible reflects on them. Amen. But the Bible is necessary because if it could show us things that we don't see in ourselves, things that we don't reflect on ourselves, and the Bible could point those out for the purpose of getting them clean to getting them right 
to get them fixed. You ever wonder why some of the greatest restaurants have dark lighting? Because you don't want to see it in the light. Turn on the light, you could see all the stuff on the table and the spider webs underneath. And some of our heart is like that as well. That as long as there's just a little bit of light in there, you're fine. But when you actually turn on the lights and go, what? This is nasty and filthy. Well, that's what the Bible does. But there has to be conviction. It has to be pointed out that there is something that needs to be fixed. Something that needs to be worked on. Something needs to be changed in the inner man. That if we're going to have truth in the inward parts, the first thing that we has to be is conviction. Has to be pointed out that there's something wrong that it could be dealt with. Second thing that we understand here is not only there must be conviction, but there's also consequences. There's also consequences. When David was pointed out by Nathan the prophet, he gave um, a parable to David and he explained that in this parable that there was a little poor man who had a little ewe lamb who they raised it in their house just as if it was one of his daughters. They, it slept with the family. They played with it with the family. But there was a rich man who had plenty of animals, but a traveler came. And so the rich man took the little poor man's ewe lamb and took it for himself and killed it and dressed it for the traveler that came. Well, David heard this and he says, listen, that man who stole it will have to pay in fourfold. What David is doing is giving his own sentence. And we're going through a series in our regular services of the life of David. And one of the things that we're going to do is that we're going to trace the consequences of David's life. We're going to use our nice whiteboard and we're going to show off that David sinned with Bathsheba. And we're going to see it as it traces off. But one of the results of it is a fourfold judgment upon David. There's going to be some peripheral results. But what's going to happen is that David is going to lose his family. His daughter is going to be raped. A son that is murdered. A son that leads a rebellion and that's going to lead to his death. And then, of course, the baby with Bathsheba died. A fourfold judgment that fell upon that family. There's consequences for action. In fact, the study of the book of 2 Samuel is a study of consequences. That actions have consequences that will carry out and carry out and carry out. One of the problems that we have with sin is that we have a hard time recognizing that our sin will have consequences down the road. The Bible says, be not deceived for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That there is consequences for our actions. When we examine David's life, we could see the consequences for sin. We could see these things that happen. And these consequences are reminders of the seriousness of sin. All sin has consequences. And those consequences have a reflection that sin is awful and it is serious. Which brings us to one last thing. We're talking about truth in the inward parts. And when we're dealing with it, we have to be exposed that there's something wrong. There has to be conviction. Then with that, we have to have realized that all sin is awful and sin has consequences. And that's why it needs to be dealt with. Then we're brought to the last thing here. There must be a cleansing. There must be a cleansing. Notice with me, if you don't mind, 
as we read verse 5, 6, and 7 again. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We understand that he recognized that he was a sinner. It was pointed out to him. Verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and the hidden part shall thou make me to know wisdom. There are consequences for action. We have to have wisdom, understanding that what we do does affect other things. But notice verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. What we see here is that David wanted to be clean from his sin. So many people are tormented by their sins that they say things that they would never say. And they do things that they would never do. There's an expression that we have, hurting people hurt people. So if someone has bitterness, they're going to take it out on someone. Someone has anger, they're going to take it out on someone. Hurting people hurt people. And when people have sin buried away, and they're easily convicted, and they're easily uh, offended over these things, then they'll end up saying things that they shouldn't say. They'll end up behaving ways in certain ways. There are some people that when they have sin and it keeps being exposed, they do everything they can to hide it back, to rationalize it, to push it aside, to bury it even more. Instead of dealing with it, they try to cover it up even more, put more dirt on it to it, to bury it. When we allow sins to build up in our life, we become overwhelmed. Our lives become filthy. And what we need is a real cleansing. We need a spiritual bath, a spiritual shower. That's why 1 John 1, 9 is such a powerful verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've used this illustration before, but let's just say that as we're preparing to go to church, that one of our kids decide they're going to play in the mud. I know kids will never do such a thing, but let's say that they fall in the mud. And so they come back in. Let's say it's a beautiful little girl and she's got her Sunday dress on and mom did so well to get her hair and they're getting ready to go to church and she goes and plays in the mud and comes back and mud is in her hair. It's on her face all over her dress. Well, she goes in and she admits, yeah, I was playing in the mud. Well, mom doesn't just pat her on the head and say, all right, you're forgiven. All right, let's go to church. But you know what mom does is that mom takes off her dirty clothes and washes her hair, washes her up, and puts clean clothes onto her. Not only did she forgive her, she cleansed her. Well, God just doesn't do that in the outside. He cleanses us on the inside. Let me tell you, there is nothing like being spiritually clean in the inside. To be scrubbed clean. To be right with God. Now, some people are so cynical that they can't believe they can't even think that true joy is possible. They're so used to carrying around this dirt, so used to being miserable on the inside that they couldn't even understand that someone can have peace and joy in the inside. But let me tell you, you can if you're willing to get right with God. And that's the problem. The people aren't willing to confess. They aren't willing to admit that they did something wrong. But let me tell you, you can have peace in the inside. Not this fake happiness that you put on the outside. You know, the type of happiness when you go ask someone, maybe your wife, hey, honey, how are you doing? And she goes, I'm fine. You know, when she says I'm fine, that means she's not fine. Yeah. 
But you know, most of us could put on a good face, even at church. How are you doing? Well, I'm great. While on the inside, you're just dying inside, struggling inside. God doesn't want you to live that away. God wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have it on the inside, not faked on the outside. And you can be cleansed spiritually. You can be cleansed in the inside. If any man, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Notice as we're in Psalm 51 verse 7. David is saying, purge me with hyssop. Hyssop is a type of tree. And so here it's carrying the idea of beating it out. Um, in the old days, before they had washing machines, you know what they used to do to stains? They would beat the stains out. So let's say that you had some mustard caked onto a, a nice shirt. What you would do is that you would take a rock and put it on another rock and put water on it and beat the stain out of it. This is what David is saying. Purge me. You beat it out of me. Again, he's speaking metaphorically. He's, but he's saying, I want this stain out of me. I want to be so thoroughly cleansed. He said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter as snow. There is a cleansing you could have. And you can be cleansed and right with God. And a peace on the inside. This rightness. But you have to be willing to go to God and admit that what you did was wrong. That's such a hard time, especially for someone who's been holding down sin for a while and rationalizing it and trying to excuse it and put it off and put it off. It's hard to finally bring it up and say, you know what, after all these years I'm admitting I was wrong. That's hard. I'm going to tell you it's necessary if you want to be right with God. There can be a peace in the inside. A joy in the inside. You don't have to go around being miserable. And God doesn't want you to be miserable. Some of you just need a good bath. Just like if you haven't had a bath for months, you would stink on the outside. To God, you stink on the inside. And you're miserable because of it. But you can be thoroughly right. 1 John 1.9 If you confess your sins... He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. If you're willing to go to God, He's willing to forgive you. Isn't that a wonderful Savior? He loves us that much. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308.
6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.